All right, boys, ready to fucking break some hearts? Hearts yes. and minds. Break some minds. Life, a handshake of carbon monoxide. We are hottest 100s and thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young, and I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour. So, joining me once again, it's Andrew McDonald, David, it's Nathan Harrison. It's Nathan. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know Nathan? why. Yeah, I think it's with a soft G. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> think Nathan of it. Nathan G. Harrison. Hey. The G stands for great. Aw. Yeah. Thanks, mate. And Adam F. Buncher. Yo. Uh, F. What's your middle initial, Andrew? It's, it's T. Oh. Mm. Is it really? Yeah. T. Theodore. ATM. Mm. Yeah, ATM is mm. great. Uh, nice. Yeah. Is it Theodore? How'd you feel Not about nice. Andrew W.K. McDonald? <laughs> Andrew McDonald. McDonald. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Huge. Yeah. You sure it's not Theodore? <laughs> Not Teddy. That's yeah. Thomas. I'm a bit upset Andy that you told me, yeah. and this one couldn't be something well, that I continue to try and guess. T-Mac. Keep giving out details about my last, so it can dox me easier. Yeet. <laughs> what are the last three numbers in your credit card? <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite CVV you have? <laughs> We're learning things. We are. You know, we se- really season are. six, starting to discover more about your hosts. <laughs> <laughs> A wise man once said, when it's time to party, we will party hard. And I don't think we could have picked a better song to be partying (laughs) the rest of the day away to. Ladies and gentlemen, rip off your shirts, dive into the pool, let's get fucking wasted. This is Radiohead with no surprises. Fantastic album, OK Computer, coming in at number 55 in the 1998 Hottest 100. Adam, I'm going to fill up this tub with water 
while I'm doing that, say everything that you want to say. Keep in mind, you have to say everything you need to say by the time I'm completely drowning in water. Oh, I've seen this movie. <laughs> oh, God, that's a lot of pressure. Because <laughs> turns out I actually have quite a lot to say. Yes. Um, that's okay. It's I a slow-running water. <laughs> it better be. It's like, it's like small drips, if, if, if possible. Right, so what an upbeat way to start this episode. <laughs> that being said, like in all seriousness, to discuss this song properly, you do have to have certain discussions about suicide because I think it's just it's so inherent to the theme of the song. If that's something that you're not really interested in hearing right now, for whatever reason, go ahead and skip ahead. That's totally cool. Take care of yourself. So this is the fourth single to come from OK Computer, uh, the order being Karma Police, Paranoid Android and Lucky as well. Interesting. Um, I didn't know that. I yeah, didn't know Lucky was a yeah. single. That's right. That's why I looked it up because I was like, it said fourth and I was like, uh, count two. So really? I count two. What is it? This song was originally written back in 1995 when the band was touring with R.E.M., apparently. And they were sitting on it for them. It was also the very first song recorded for OK Computer. Now, Tom said that the childlike guitar, he thinks, sets the mood for the entire album. And also says that uh, when they were creating it, they kind of wanted to go for a little bit of a Pet Sounds vibe. It links back to what we were saying before about uh, the famous quote saying when we were making OK Computer, we were trying to replicate a bunch of great bands and missing. That's just one kind of spin-off example. The other thing about the uh, recording of this song that's really interesting is that the version you hear on the album was the first take. Apparently, they went in the studio, they they banged it out, and then they meticulously tried and tried and tried to do other different ones, and they just were like, you know what, we... The first time was the best. Oh, just, I was about to be like, oh, it. they must have saved a fortune in studio fees, but no, <laughs> no. they spent it all anyway. Yeah. It's Radiohead. They weren't going to accept <laughs> that that was it. That were, you it know, can't be that yeah. easy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 On the, 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 the pet sounds thing there, like hearing that, like knowing that, that they were kind of th- thinking of that kind of recording idea, just that kind of meticulously crafted layering of different mm-hmm. tracks perfect mixing is like I guess Pet Sounds was the first record that really nailed that so perfectly but I'm really like not surprised just more more like ah oh, yes of course you guys were yeah. Pet Sounds were doing particularly with no surprises right because like again that childish guitar and mm-hmm. like the soft beat and everything like that it's so this is probably one of the best songs on the record of OK Computer I think yeah totally yeah right yeah not my like my favourite soprano Andrew but I think this is a masterpiece yeah it's like it is clearly yeah, a masterpiece yeah. and I think it's probably one of the easiest songs to kind of analyze for why it is a masterpiece yeah yeah because I think like every lyric is just endlessly quotable the theme of it all just sticks together so wonderfully well but yeah. it has such a, a great amount of depth the other thing that I think is really remarkable about this which Tom has talked about as well is the fragility behind it and the way that this really is walking a really fine line between doing over-saccharine and over-dramatic and overdone and just getting it just right. The quote is, when you play it live, you have to play it right because it's fucking dark. It's Mm. like acting. It's on the edge of totally hamming it up, but you're not. It's just that the words are so dark. When we play it, we have to play it slow and it only sounds good if it's fragile. I think thinking of this song as only existing inside fragility is a really great place to meet it because Mm. I think it totally is. It's kind of become really well-traded now, the kind of idea that you're doing something dark, but you're playing with something childlike and innocent. You know, oh, yeah. In the yeah, sense yeah. that this song is a lullaby, yeah. and yet it's also about giving up, you know, in whatever form that takes. Oh. And that's the other thing that I think is so brilliant about this song, is because when you look at the lyrics, it's impossible to tell whether this is about suicide 
or whether it's just about living the workaday life. Mm-hmm. It could easily be metaphorical or literal in terms of the references that mm-hmm. it talks about carbon monoxide poisoning and stuff like that. When we talk about OK Computer as being an album that was looking outside of the world and where it was going and being terrified, essentially, in various different ways or reacting in various different ways, but often out of fear and often out of pessimism and often out of just simply being overwhelmed. I think suicide is sometimes a comforting thought in that face. Without intent, thinking about suicide and going back to suicide as a means of getting control of yourself and your body and your circumstances and your surroundings is, you know, like that is something that the anxious mind returns to as a point of comfort, weirdly enough. Yeah, because it's, um, it's, it's like no matter what happens, you have a, you have a choice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and like, oh, not that like never encourage that kind of thing like that. No, like, exactly. We've all Absolutely in this not. room had our various battles with mental illness and everything about. So we're not being flippant when we say that, but that no, is a point no, that you I'm, think about. Like, and I, yeah. I know that obviously, dear listener, if you are in that state, reach out to somebody who cares, even us, really. Um, but 100%. it is one of those things that, like, when you've at your absolute most fearful of the world and you feel like you're not having any control there's this thought that is a reassurance even though you'd never want to carry it out yeah it's just that kind of thing and that's why like when he talks, talks about like the like i'll take a quiet life a handshake of carbon monoxide no like, alarms and no surprises no, no alarms no surprises that's exactly yeah. it you're and saving also, yourself yeah. the the pain and the drama and and the cataclysm that you're going forward that's so real in your head yeah. right I'm, I'm sure I'm not overanalyzing here, but like with the carbon monoxide thing, and then saying like no alarms, like not, not having the carbon the monoxide alarm go off. Yeah, just like no, like I, I don't want to be startled. I just want the carbon monoxide to take me quietly. This is the don't set the alarms off. It's not a surprise. I'm just going to sleep. And there's something like it's fucking grim as shit, but like oh, yeah. it's so fucking beautiful. Like I think that whole. That first verse, a heart that's full up like a landfill, a job that slowly kills you, bruises that won't heal, you look so tired and unhappy, bring down the government, they don't speak for us, I'll take a quiet life, I hand to have carbon monoxide. One of my favourite opening verses of all time, but fuck it's me dead, it's so goddamn yeah. self-loathing, it's just absolutely miserable, but like, it's fucking yeah. awesome. Like, it's, and like the fact that like, if you just listen to it in the background without paying attention to the lyrics, you could totally miss that it's like some mm. of the most like depressing <laughs> shit. It's just like, oh, the, yeah, the nice. Mel- the, the vocal melody itself yeah. is so good. It's beautiful. It's, it's really so, yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Like just in terms of just the, the catchiness of it and, you know, just the beauty of it. It's, yeah. it's purely beautiful. I think it's embodying that mindset number one really really well which is why i bring it up in the first place which is why i bring up any of the the relationship to to those kinds of thoughts and that kind of dark mindset because i think it's just to me when i hear that song it embodies that so well Mm. and i'm familiar with that mindset and so when i hear that i just go like you've nailed it but it does it in a distanced way as well it's a short story about a sad person and not a journal entry about a sad person do you know what I mean? I think there's a, there's a bit mm, of a distance mm. there. but And that, in a way, allows you to kind of view the subject of the song and really bleed for them as well. Like, when I hear this, I feel so sad for the person. Yeah. I want to help this person. I want to make them feel okay. As much as I empathize and can put myself in that position at times as well, on the other side of that, I go like, oh, man, ugh. you know, there's that kind of tension in it as well. It is a thoroughly remarkable song and it, like communicates an aspect of what they were doing in OK Computer in a, in a vital way. It's a vital aspect that mm. they're communicating here. Yeah. It's a vital yeah. part of the, of the themes that they were trying to get across, that despair and that giving up. Um, 
And it's, it's, I yeah. think, because I think it's about the seduction of giving up. 100%. You know, that's like, a great it's like, it. it's like you said, it's a, it's a lullaby. It's like putting, like, letting yourself go to sleep. Like, mm. and whether that's suicide or whether, like you said, it's just like, yeah. it's about, you know, like, oh, the world is shit or whatever, but maybe, maybe I can see the point why you would just be like, I'm just going to get a job and have a nice house and just try and. What a pretty house and what a pretty Yeah, garden. I'm just going to yeah. try and have a nice time because fuck like being an individual in society is exhausting yeah and so why not take the easy route if that's just like being a person that just gets by like that's you know and it's so much more beautiful that the fact that it can it can be both of those things and that in a way tom's paralleling that kind of life with suicide like it's just i mean it's 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 that you know i mean like all of okay computer is about like individual and society and Um, and, you know disenfranchisement and getting lost in that and everything because i think that's that's the other part of the seduction as well like you know you're you're kind of like you're a woke individual that's kind of you know whatever but you look at someone who isn't presenting that you look at you know like a suburban person that has like a nice family and they just have a job that Mm -hmm. seems pretty mindless or whatever and you're like oh it looks like you've just switched off and you're just getting through and when everything is shit and like i'm frustrated at you know at the government and like at my position in society it looks very nice to just be someone who's switched off Mm. but there's like that's a fallacy as well because they haven't and like yeah that's right yeah 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 i guess so yeah like, and I think it's possible to also just be going through the motions no matter what you're doing in life. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that, because that like, kind of switching off is really Because, like, no matter, no matter how, like, active red and rebellious against the grain you think you are, like, even if, like, if you think you're flouting societal norms, unless you are truly fucking devoted to the idea of it, like, if you break away from society and form, like, an anarcho-syndicalist commune uh, in with a bunch of hippies kind of thing like that, if you're doing that, then you are against it. But, like, even if you're, like... How are you listening to this podcast? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, then, yeah. I, I know you had put your own Wi-Fi, put your own phones from... <laughs> rocks probably it's like (laughs) we have a very staunch like no like none of that policy but once a week we will like let ourselves enjoy a fresh episode of hottest hundreds and thousands well i I was just about to say andrew uh is this a segue to you spruiking your commune now (laughs) (laughs) where you do have a weekly listening party to your own podcast um the wheel out the old hand cranked Bluetooth speaker. Even <laughs> <laughs> if you, you, you identify as like in your heart, and this is speaking from like my own experience here, you identify in your heart as like an anarcho communist kind of thing like that, and you pay your union fees and you protest where you can and you give to the right charities and all kinds of that. But you're still waking up and commuting to work and putting on like a monkey suit and being yeah. a good being like a good boy for the and boss. And then you know, like, and then like once a week, being like, oh, I'm going to treat myself and have like a nice meal and a yeah, nice yeah. Day. Like, you still do it, like yeah. 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 Yeah, anyway, this is going way off topic yeah. from how good yeah. no surprises is. But like I said before, it's one of the best songs on OK Computer. It, and it's one of the best records of the 90s. A brave take. A brave take. <laughs> OK Computer, good. <laughs> I mean, for me, like when I think about OK Computer, the, you know, talking about quality and comparison, it's more just kind of like what each thing does. Mm. And I think what, what this does is, you know, the this mindset that we've talked about, which fits in so thematically. Um, so, yeah, that's kind mm. of the value of it. Is that everything? Are you drowning? Almost. You're just like craning your neck to get Come your on. mouth above the water, like, man. I got, I got my lips out. So I yeah. told you it was a bad idea, man. Look, I don't make the rules. This is just a publicity <laughs> stunt. 
Well, it's also not a visual medium. Yeah, uh, sure. So... Oh, I've done this all for nothing. Yeah, man. That, Story of my life. Some people would probably believe that you didn't even do it. That sucks. <laughs> that's the greatest injustice. That's, that's the inherent cynicism of the internet, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, God. Didn't happen. If, yeah. you, if you're listening to this and thinking David probably didn't even nearly drown himself, wow. How dare you? Like, well, can you not just believe in something? I don't do everything for Instagram likes. This, okay? is, this is the, the Santa Claus of our generation. Just <laughs> believe in something, for fuck's sake. <laughs> well, God, we just we just partied so hard, and I, I really I really hate to bring the mood down, but um, yeah, that's kind of just the vibe we're going for now. Um, so this is this is number fifty four. This is. This is Frenzel Rom. Uh, this is a, a song of theirs uh, that's coming at number 54. And then in the 1998 Hottest 100, and uh, it's a song called Mom Changed the Locks. <laughs> <laughs> Ready for the war Why the fuck is my key not fitting in the door? I guess I'm not wanted, I wonder what I'll do I've already been banned and my friends have this too I wonder what I did to make my mom so mad I've never become like what the only one I had Oh my god, my chance of luck Friends of Rome at number 54 in the 1998 Hottest 100 with a song called Mum Changed the Locks Andrew David Did... Jay Wally's mum ever change your locks? No, that would be pantomime to bullying. Yeah. <laughs> this is like but, a friendly neighbourhood, just go around and you, you need your locks changed? She's the locksmith. So Call the locksmith. Yeah. Um, yes, two verses and one line chorus. That is all this song is. And I've always thought that like punk rock is always about cutting the fat and leaving just lean meat of a song. And this is fucking lean meat of a song. Mm. This is the first track of Friends of Rom's Meet the Family record that we spoke about. Uh, Mr. Charisma pulled from the same record a few episodes ago. Um, I preferred this song to Mr. Charisma. And this is the... Because mm. it's the first song on the album. It sets the tone for the whole fucking record. So fucking fun. High energy funny like apparently it's based um Lindsay McDougall when he joined the band when he was like a late teenager went on tour with them and then came back and his mum had to shit to them to change the locks on the house and <laughs> so that's the that's apparently the yes, I've read that somewhere huh. I think I read that on a Friends of Rom Geocities board yeah. I haven't verified I, could just I read ask it on Friends of Rom Snopes page there we go yeah right I, I could probably just ask the doctor but whatever it's more fun to have the myth um, I think this is just a fucking baller song, high energy. It's not quite like as silly and fun as Miss Christmas is perhaps, but I think it works better. Partly, it's pretty silly. It's pretty let's, silly yeah. and fun, yeah. Let, let's um, not fuck around the bush here. Yeah. It's pretty silly. In the chorus, the haze, oh. so good. Oh. And then also, Jay, whenever he gets to show off the fact that he has a really good growl, it's fucking choice. Like yes! Mr. Mom! <laughs> fuck! Locks! Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking good. Yeah. A couple times each album, he does that, even now. Yeah, I like, feel like he's done it, they, they do it more, they do it more these now. days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But this great swears, great yelling. This <laughs> great is, swears. I love, great swears. like, like we've mentioned before, Friends of Roma are just one of the finest Australian rock acts of all time and also one of my absolutely most beloved and cherished in my heart bands. So, of, oh, course, of course, I love this song, which is the first song from what for a long time was my favorite Friends of Roma record. So, of course, I'm in this whole hog. I, all my chips are in. I, yeah. 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 
Cool. Cool. Hit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. me. Like, obviously, yeah. right? Like, and, and this is, like, absolute sublime, the kind of frenzel... It's them, like, playing with self-deprecation and kind of Australian larrikinism or whatever, but just done, like, so cleverly and so, like, purely and so much fun. It's just... It's just a great, great song. The thing I love about it is that musically, it sounds like a really serious punk song. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, yeah. The, you can imagine this being bad religion, and they're talking about <laughs> oh, everyone yeah. is just possessed, or you yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. And of it's their locks. But, uh, and the, but the best oh, thing about oh my god, Bush changed the locks. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing about that is that like it mirrors the protagonist. This is serious for him. Like, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? But it, because it distances itself, we from the outside find that really funny because it's so high stakes. Yeah, like, yeah. they make it the highest stakes. And then also just, like, matched with, I, like, I've already been banned from my other friends' Friend houses. houses yeah. I can't use the phone to call my friends yeah. for a beer. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. just the worst thing in the world. I can't yeah. call up to get, have a also, beer. Also, I have nowhere to stay. But, yeah, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. To the, to the protagonist of the song, it is to, like, yeah. it's, it's as if he's saying, this is serious, mum. I'm <laughs> <laughs> on the drug. I'm on the drug. <laughs> Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast is over. Look, look. It is serious to him. <laughs> and it does involve his mum. It does involve his mum. Yeah. Uh, let the record show that... And we're not lying about this. Uh, Deej actually did just, just leave the studio. He just left. He just left and, and went outside to the window and started flipping us the bird. And he's back in. Yeah. Yes, but this is you were, you were right to walk out then, Deej. <laughs> God damn it, guys. You were, you were so right. I'm just making a point about the song. God damn it. I don't know why everyone's so being so silly. First warning. <laughs> Yellow card, mate. <laughs> there will not be a second warning. <laughs> yeah, you're right that it's because it sounds like if, if the lyrics were different, it could be like a political punk song. Like, it sounds like an angry punk rock song. It's the most yeah. I've heard Frenzel sounding like other angry punk bands. Yeah, yeah. You know, musically, it's just a pure punk transfusion. Yeah, it's not, there's not as much of the, like, the way going out tonight, never so much fun, kind of, like, major key fun in it. Mm. It's just, like, more yeah, it's, anger. It's, well, it's, it's, like, it's an E minor. Yeah. It's less poppy. Like, yeah. I think they... The hooks are there. And, oh, my God, the chorus, the harmony there is just, like... Yeah. Just when I think I can't love Friends of Ron's harmonies more, <laughs> I hear something like that, and I'm like, oh, my God. It's so deceptive. It's Ugh. just, like, you all look like you have not had a shower in, like, three weeks. <laughs> There's no way you should know as much as you do about three-part harmony. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> David, you've, uh, like us, jumped around to this song live several times. At least a couple yeah, times, yeah. yeah. Like, they don't bust it out as much as they used to. Yeah, I saw them the other week, and I, I don't they think, didn't do it. I don't think they played this. Yeah, I haven't seen them do it in a hot minute. Mm. But, yeah, it's all, it's always fun. Like, uh, I remember seeing this video as it was guest programmed on Rage, as uh, many of my uh, early discoveries of Frenzel were revolved around, and uh, seeing those bright... I think he had, like, bright purple dreadlocks around that time. It was just <laughs> like, oh, wow, that's a, that's a hell of a look. I'm sure like, he's been, like, a scudgy punk since he was in his early 20s, but, like, it works as a fucking marketing idea, right? Because he's this super tall, super skinny, gangly dude with multicolored hair dreadlocks. Yeah. And it's just mm. like, oh, that, that guy, he can go on the front cover of a magazine. That's, oh, yeah. that's catching. Like, yeah. yeah. 
It's a good marketability thing. I'm sure it wasn't done with that yeah. in mind when he was 19 years old. But. I never would have picked Jay to be a marketable yeah. type, but here we are. Yeah. Marketing genius. <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, no. That's, sure why, no. Yeah. that's why he's the only original member. Yeah. He's just been micromanaging behind the curtain this whole time. Guys, I don't think we should do that. It's bad for the brand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. I don't know that interview you didn't swear. That's that's not the Friends of the Royal Way. Yeah. You need to yeah. have swears. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's like the Anthony Wiggle of friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Slave driver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony slave driver Wiggle. <laughs> any of them could be replaced at any given moment. <laughs> They're all just on edge while they play the whole time. Just look at them side stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They look down, it's no set lists on the stage, it's just notes from Jay saying, remember, I can yeah. swap you out whenever <laughs> I want. Do another joke, Lindsay. <laughs> Make it funny. Yeah. Grandma! And now Dad. It's the parents episode. <laughs> Holy shit. No, like, I'm, I'm, I'm weird. Oh my god, I just realised that. Yeah. I am really weirded out by the weird couplings that we've had. Like... Fuel and fuel. Fuel and fuel. No surprises in Charlie number three. Oh! So there's, a, there's, a, there's a link there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, now we've got, mom, now we got mom and dad. Yeah. Mom mm. and dad. A thousand monkeys and a thousand typewriters. <laughs> and they're, they're churning out some Shakespeare. And they're yeah, voting for these songs. Yeah, they're voting. <laughs> Do you reckon monkeys type calmly or are they... I literally just, only I've seen they start the calmly and then there's that series of gifts of the um oh, my favorite series of gifts of all it's time so good. the the office working uh, it, baboon or baboon yeah. yeah just like smash it like go oh. to town on the mouse yeah. and the best one is when he's he's wearing he's got the, the he got the headset on and there's one that is just like on the phone but he's just like doing the bearing his teeth thing he's just like <laughs> holding a phone going like it's yeah pretty exploitative what can we say. <laughs> For people to find this, um, business baboon, probably. I'm gonna call him business baboon. <laughs> business baboon. Google that anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good band name. Daddy's home. And number fifty-three. Mm. I'm daddy. And number fifty-three. This is Everclear with, f- well, I'll let him say it. Father of mine, tell me where have you been? You know I just closed my eyes, my whole world disappeared. Father of mine, take me back to the day. Yeah, when I was still your golden boy, back before you went away. I remember blue skies walking the block. I loved it when you held me high. I loved to hear you talk. You would take me to the movie. You would take me to the beat. Take me to a place inside this so Everclear, uh, that's the song Father of Mine, or probably the biggest uh, single from the uh, Smash Everclear album. So much for the afterglow. You're drying yourself off now? Yeah, yeah. You need, you need to have... I, I got out of the ocean, I swam past the breakers, watched the world die, <laughs> mm-hmm. and now I've got a bone to pick with uh, old mate. With, with, old uh, man. Yeah. Damp daddy. Damp daddy. <laughs> Damp daddy deej. Yeet. <laughs> So everyone knows the story of this one. Uh, Art just fucking rattles the family tree and sees sees what falls out. He does not hold back. He is dealing with this whole situation of fatherhood for himself and, like, 
realizing that he might fall into the same habits of the guy that raised him, you know, quote unquote, just to be super edgy, which is, you know, obviously a, a very cyclical thing. I don't think there is any male, like, cis, trans, whatever, that has not at least once been like, fucking Christ, I'm turning into my dad. Whatever your relationship, good or bad, there'll be something that will happen. You're just like, oh, fuck. You'll see yourself reflected in one way or another. It's just like, oh, no. Because when you're young, you're just so adamant about setting out and finding your own identity and like, this is who I am, you know, free of anything else. Sometimes that shit just catches up with you. And yes, obviously this is corny as shit. No one is, like, praising Art for his, you know, grace, nuance and subtlety on this bad boy. But Counterpoint, it fucking rules. This song slaps. I've always loved this song. There's a reason this song is so resonant with their audience. Because it it holds that very curious position of being... Very directly specific about one thing and one thing in particular. Yeah. Yet. It's about the dad. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, what, yeah, wait, yeah. What? It, <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Like, it's so very directly specifically about one thing. And yet, Art has always talked about how that's the song that has gotten the most correspondence from fans all over the place that have just like, I've been in that exact position. I feel the exact same way. You know, like, I have a direct connection with what you're talking about. And I think there's a lot of merit in that. I'm fully aware the second I close my mouth, everyone is going to shit on this song. And I welcome it. I'm fully aware that this is a very naff song from a very naff band. <laughs> from a man that still bleach dyes his hair. You know, to, though, right? In his like, 50s, you know. Everyone's doing that, though. Wrinkles aside, he looks the exact same. Like, he's dressing the exact same everything as he did 20 years ago when this record came out. Like hey, He's, the he's held that aesthetic through his entire career and it's probably just, always will. It's his brand. I pay that. Yeah. Yeah. Jay took him aside. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you some tips. <laughs> but the thing is like crapping on this, right? Like I feel like bad mouthing this song, which is about him talking about like his deadbeat dad, it's kind of bullying. Like, <laughs> Fully. I, I agree with you entirely. Yeah. Yep. Like, yep. It's it is so. But you're gonna do it anyway. No, I get it, right? Like, yeah, really? but, like it's, it's yeah, dumb yeah. and it's cheesy and it's dorky and it's like that kind of thing where like like masculine men find it difficult to emote yeah. about anything unless they're sport or their fathers. And like that's the that he's here he's talking about his father and he's always the, the safe space for him to be emotional kind of thing like that. Didn't play sport with him. It's dorky and cheesy, but it fucking works. It gets their job done for exactly what it's meant to be. It's meant and the fact that he's gotten so much correspondence about this song, David, is no surprise because like this will come across as a classless projection. I don't mean it to, but I'm sure a huge amount of Everclear fans are from lower socioeconomic status areas. Like because they play that kind of like guitar rock music and a, um, a larger proportion of them than average may have come from homes that aren't necessarily the best, perhaps broken, perhaps a father they don't love or a father they love doesn't love them back, mm. that kind of thing. And this is music for that mindset. And that's, mm. I think that's very important. That's and yeah, yeah, it's cheesy and dumb, but it fucking achieves its direct purpose. Yeah. It does exactly what it yeah. needs to do. Yeah. When I listened to this song, I fully just had a moment of just like, this is not for me. You know, no surprises. Yeah, totally. That's for me. <laughs> I listen to no surprises and I relate to that. But I listen to this and it's just kind of go like, I'm not going to rule this out as being valuable because like, this clearly could have value to someone who can relate to this material. I can't relate to that material, but I'm not going to discount the value from it because, as you said, like that just feels unkind. Mm. And like I have no doubt that however art 
chooses to express it, he's expressing something very real and very important to him. Like, that comes through. That comes through as well. And to judge the way he's expressing that is kind of not the point. That being said, I also think I have more fun with this track than I do a lot of other Everclear songs. And I feel like we've talked about it. Clear yeah, we've yeah. talked a good chunk. Oh, yeah. 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 Half a dozen or something. I Five you, or six. I think this might be the sixth. Yeah, you were bad mouthing my love of Santa Monica. I remember <laughs> That's that. a garbage song for no, garbage people. Fuck you in the mouth. I guess I'm a garbage the man. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you think that this song is a bit musically similar to Santa, Santa Monica? Monica? Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too much. Like, there's no question. It's the same band. No, no, no. But even even like it to me, it sounds the same. Like it's like. Look, I mean, like, most musicians go back to the same wells again and again. And it's like, I'm, you know, hardly accusing them of being unique. I, in... Wouldn't you love to have the Santa Monica well to draw from? Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> Poisoned well for Adam. Yeah. A Grammy fucking winning gold, well, yeah, exactly. gold selling record for others. So you know, I kind of like... I, one man's trash. I wish it... When I listen to this song, I'm like, oh, it just really feels like another Santa Monica. But what it does well, that Santa Monica also does well is build through that very simple riff mm. up to, like, quite a big finale. And that works really well in this song because of the yeah. emotional content. Yeah, I, I like the finale as well. It builds to a really, like, beautiful and emotional end. And it's like, that's like that's really good. I quite like the line, my daddy gave me a name, then he walked away. Yeah, like, that's, that's, that's a sick line. That's a really good line, yeah. yeah. The guitar riff towards the end is about as much as I've enjoyed Everclear musically since Heroin Girl, which I think is the best track we've <laughs> oh, talked that's about. that's a sick track. That's a, yeah, I actually, I've come to I've come to like mm. Heroin Girl as, a, as an Everclear He could have made it a more autobiographical like, my daddy gave me a name, Zod. and it was pretty good! <laughs> Everyone seems to remember it. <laughs> I don't get called Everclear guy all that often anymore. <laughs> it's Mr. Everclear. Please, Mr. Everclear was my father. <laughs> he, he walked away. He walked away. <laughs> <laughs> There's some good trivia for this. Apparently this song was used by a California non-profit that tries to find deadbeat parents and make them pay child support. Holy shit. The daughter of the CEO suggested it. Um, and then in an ironic twist, Art himself ended up owing back child support. Oh, oh. no. Oh, oh no! The cat's in the cradle with the in, silver spoon. In his defense, he's worried it. about being that person. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. It would sting having to play this song live after you were signing over back child support <laughs> checks. Look, the last two Everclear album anniversary tours, I reckon he's broken even on the child support. <laughs> You'd hope so. You want to hope so. <laughs> At number 52, it's Screen Day with The Grouch. I was a young boy that had big plans. Now I'm just another shitty old man. Well, you're fun and I hate everything. The world's out for some of you. Glory takes on me shattering. I take a six pack of pepper thin. Lights up kitchen, so Number 52 with the grouch, Nathan. Mm. Scram! <laughs> you live and eat in a trash can, and your other friends are two worms. Yeah. <laughs> Drag him. Which one of you three 
aren't my friend then? <laughs> that would be me. Oh. The other two are that would be me, because I'm Big Bird. I'm definitely okay, the Big Bird of this bird. podcast. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. <laughs> Loud, annoying, only has one friend who's imaginary, <laughs> you know. Hang on. Tries to be nice to everyone, and everyone's just like, oh, fuck off. Well, no, no, no. Wind back. Snuffy's not real? Yeah, it's, that's the whole point. It's what? A Snuffy is what? Snuffy is Bird's imaginary best friend. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, right. When is that been canonized? When, when that, miss- that's been canon since like the sixties or yeah. whatever the fuck. Have they you not st- seen sixties? But like, <laughs> <laughs> Snuffy is his Tyler Durden. I love the deleted scene in Flight Club where Big Bird beats the shit out of Jared Leto. <laughs> Tell me how you get there. Tell me how you get there. Tell me. La, 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 la. Well, I missed that. Wow. Like, I just suffice to say, I missed that whole major, apparently, plot point in Sesame Street. Where yeah, they kill no, them no. to do a few flashbacks. <laughs> I don't know how explicit they make it. I think, like, I was aware of it, but I can't remember, like, it being pointed out or, you know. Well, I mean, like, they're giving kids a lot of credit for being for being cluey on that one, because, you know, yeah. I, I, I do want to point out, uh, Sesame Street has a very strong Twitter presence. Like, pretty much every character has their own personal Twitter account, including Snuffleupagus. Huh. Here's the thing. Did he tweet, I am imaginary and I am Big Bird's <laughs> friend? Even, no, 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 even better. Right. Snuffleupagus's Twitter account is protected and he only has one follower. Holy and shit. And that is the official Big Bird account. Chills. So only <laughs> Chills. Chills. Only Big Bird can see Snuffleupagus. That's very good. <laughs> Snuffleupagus's Twitter account is a phrase that we it's, said it's on this music podcast. Yeah. This is another track off Nimrod. We've already talked about Hitching a Ride and Good Riddance. And I think having this now is like really showing off the sort of breadth of styles that Green Day are playing with on Nimrod, which is great. Like, because there's just so much going on in the album and like a really playful, I think, attitude to, to songwriting. Um, this is fairly straight up pop punk. I think there's a nice folk strand running through it. The structure and a little bit of guitar, but really that like yeah. sing-song vocal line. It yeah. feels quite Irish folk to me. Oh my oh, god, yeah. man. That's a great take. <laughs> yeah. Like, if someone has a penny whistle out there and wants oh, to do yeah. a wicked cover of The Grouch. Even uh, the fact it's called The Grouch, you know, it's like, it could be The Grouch, traditional. by Green Day. Billy does that sing-song really up and down vocal line really well. Like, like that's oh. just a I, Green Day That's pretty much every Billy Joe melody is. But that's on, on like really fine display here. This is a, I think fairly well trodden road in terms of you're writing a song about the introspective self-analysis. Mm-hmm. What is this disconnect between who I used to be and who yeah. I am now? Well, we all feel that. I think there's a couple of different ways that you can view it, which I think is really great. Like either it's on the surface level, Billy lampooning the obvious enemy of all punks, the males of the previous generation. Yeah. Or, you know, as as you said, the, the deeper, better uh, version of that is him comparing himself and seeing himself become that. Or, yeah. Or fear. Or the other way I think of it is like writing the song is an exorcism or a warding curse, you know, traditional Irish <laughs> warding curse mm. to prevent him from becoming that. It's like, cool, I wrote that song and I, you know, I did the, I did the ritual. The ritual, the pact is sealed. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the magics have been cast and I will never become a bitter twisted old man. Yeah. Doo-doo. I think that that could be, could be part of it as well. But the, what I really love is that apparently he wrote this song just after having a fight with his wife. 
And that's like adds just a certain because he was a dad at this point too. Like he had a kid. Like uh, oh yeah, and let's talk about that. Like there's again, what is going on in this countdown? The, yeah. the links. Yeah, the- it's it's so funny to me. <sighs> like like he didn't turn to a bitter old man. So if I be like Billy Joel was like in like his forties and then was like doing like the red and black checkered little emo like wristwatches <laughs> and stuff like that. It's so fucking funny to me, man. Was but he anyway. was he forty well, when that came out? Uh, probably. He was twenty six tra- here, I think. Oh, right. right, so he's only forty six now. Yeah, I don't want to badmouth him too much. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the, but wow. the curse of the the, curse. the, the, the magics obviously <laughs> worked. <laughs> I reckon yeah, this is probably like the most like sloppy good punk that Grand Ave sounded in a while. It reminds me of the fucking Descendants. Like, oh yeah, yeah, totally. Early Descendants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That really bouncy bass yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, fully, yeah. It goes for two minutes sixteen, and by one minute and no seconds, all the lyrics are done. Like <laughs> yeah. this song just. It's. Cla- I'm surprised it's here because it seems way more like the kind of thing that like the old school Green Day people who were like into their more punk stuff before they got really popular would be like, oh, no, I'm really glad they include this song on the record. I'm surprised that it's here, but it's cool that it is. It wasn't a single though, right. so I, I think, think it's, it's here despite huh. a, a single release. Must have got some good J play. Yeah, I, can, I, I, can, so. I can see J vibing with it. Yeah, yeah. man, hmm. just but even like just the rhythm and delivery of "I Had a Young and Optimistic Point of View" is so satisfying yeah. every time. That's like a great punk hook, straight yeah. to the bus. Feed listicle with that one. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Weirdly, really weirdly satisfying so. pop punk melodies. <laughs> oh my god, I would read the shares. Not clickbait. <laughs> like, yeah, they're, they're, not clickbait. You just I subscribe. Yeah. I just played myself so bad. It's like that is good content. Um, this yeah. is such a like a bizarro world version of just like we've just picked up our, uh, our platinum uh, sales uh, record for time of your life. Uh, I'm sure this is going to do very well in the largest music poll in the world. Oh, wait, it didn't? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty low, actually. Yeah. Oh, no. A song that was actually much higher and is just a random track from the album <laughs> that we didn't release as a single, let alone even make a mute... Mu- okay! The universe the is ruled by chaos! <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Uh, the magics are powerful. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I think, like, when we talked about Good Riddance, because it was so big, I think there's probably, like, Triple J, like, we don't need to play this. Triple J voters like we don't need to vote for this. Like yeah. it's fine. Like you know, it's whereas like it's great to see. It's like you said, it's it's a way more old school style yeah. of punk song, and it's great to see it here. And I think that fits with the theme of the song as well. Like because you're so worried about becoming a shitty old man, you need to be as bratty musically and as it's a traditional punk as you possibly can be. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's, that, I, that fits so well as well. And the other thing I just really love about it, and I love about punk in general, is the there but by the grace of God go I attitude even towards your enemies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even towards the people who are really giving you the shits, you go like, you know what? I could end up like that. And it's worth acknowledging that and just puts everyone down on the same level. And like yeah. when that exists in punk, that humility, question all authority, including what I'm saying right now. Yeah. You know, it's sick. And because I'm it's a, always got time for that. Because it's a real thing, though, right? It's like we, all, we all look back and we're like, oh, like these things that I believed 10, 15 years ago that I don't believe now, like, you know, what is that? Like, yeah. I think it's fucking cool that, like, one of the, the few good things about, like, the way the internet has changed media consumption is that seems to be less of a thing now. That's true. Like, obviously, the negative of that is that you uh, get more entrenched in your dickhead narcissism. <laughs> some is... people end up starting, I don't know, anarcho-communist communes. Mm-hmm. That's true. And some other heroes <laughs> On start Sesame Street, no less. <laughs> yeah. Some yeah. combine the two. Yeah. yeah. Andrew T. McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> um, For Congress. <laughs> yeah, Thomas? Is... 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's my dad's name. The way um, he gets his haircuts at one Dad's. Yeah. Dad's. And he walked away. That's our secret word Snuffy was Big Bird's imaginary dad. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. no, that, like, okay. It was about for a second longer and it was very, oh, my God. All those just got like, I'm sure... Like, are we the first people to say, look, just putting it out there, Snuffleupagus is daddy. <laughs> Snuffleupagus is thick oh. and look at like a snack. <laughs> oh, Adam, um, just for context, yes. um, I've pulled up uh, his Wikipedia page. For many years, only Big Bird could see Snuffy, leading others to believe Snuffy was simply an imaginary friend. But in the 17th season, in 1985, Big Bird showed Snuffy to his friends on Sesame Street so they would believe him. Before that, the main adult characters teased Big Bird when he said he had seen him because they did not believe there was such an animal, often despite evidence to the contrary, such as an oversized teddy bear that Snuffy had left behind, or segments in which Snuffy interacted with other characters, such as a street scene where (laughs) Snuffy was seen playing London Bridge with some of the neighbourhood kids. This was meant to echo the imaginary friends some young children have. So there you go. Right, so I guess he started off as that idea, but they so made for him fourteen canon. years. Yeah. yeah, he was. So from nineteen seventy one, his first appearance, to nineteen eighty five, he was Big Bird's imaginary friend. Mm. I cannot actually overstate how much I appreciate you giving me that information. Well, there you go. <laughs> that is that, and and also, guys, I'm yeah. I just want you guys to appreciate that I was kind of right. <laughs> yes. I, my surprise was uh, not unwarranted. Right. Everyone was right. right. That's the. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's about living on Sesame Street. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Great people on both sides, really. Mm. Yeah. 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 And number 51, it's Pearl Jam with Given to making their triumphant return yet again at number 51 in the 1998 Hottest 100. That's given to fly from the album Guild. 
Uh, before I throw to our good friend Adam, just a quick note from the corrections department. I said that Matt Cameron played drums on this record. He did not. He did join in 1998, but it was after they had recorded and released this album. The guy who played drums on this album was former Red Hot Chili Peppers drummer, Mr. Jack Irons, who went on to play in The Wallflowers. So you can stop sending us letters about it, yeah. you vultures. Adam. Yell. Uh, so you have a pretty solid relationship with, with Pearl Jam, I think. Well, I think I came into this podcast knowing the least amount of Pearl Jam. So mm. I was the, apt to be the most surprised by liking any given Pearl Jam yeah. track. And you didn't like the last one. I didn't love Wishlist. Mm. I wished for it to be more. So where do you where do you stand on uh, where do you stand where do you soar where do you where do you flap <laughs> your wings on Given to Fly? Yeah, I actually get down on this one. This well, one is real hard. This man. one's really friggin' cool, right? What I love about it is that like the entire tone of the song is just so accepting and kind of free. Like half of that is me buying into the idea of what it means to fly and the, and the you know the thing about that. But it is a Zephyrus song. It is a song that you know has a lot of air underneath it, and I think. Looking at where Pearl Jam are in this time in their career, they they were one of the big four in grunge. They had a really weird transitional period coming out of grunge. They released the album previous to Yield, uh, No Code. Yeah. Um, they did a bunch of stuff that no one was really picking up, and they were not really gelling. And this just feels like they've gone, stop trying so hard. It just, it just feels like they made it, right? Stop I just, worrying. I listen to this, and like I know these songs didn't all come out consecutively in the order of the countdown. Yeah, but just could you like, imagine if they did? <laughs> but just like the stuff off No Code, and then, yeah, I was also pretty lukewarm on Wishlist. Yeah. But I listened to this, and I was like, you found it. Like, you've been, like, lost for a couple of years in the wilderness. But, yeah. like, this you... is fucking sick. Like, Pearl Jam's back, you know? Yeah. It, it sounds to me that this is, like, this song's a statement that, like, we are the elder statesmen of grunge. We know how to do grunge in a post. We live to tell the tale yeah, in a yeah. post nineteen ninety three environment. We know how to do grunge rock music. This is how you do it. It's just this, this statement piece of a song. I think. I think it works real well. This song is maturity. Yeah. This song is self actualization. It's going like I know what I'm about, and I'm proud of what I'm about, and I'm not going to doubt it, and I'm not going to question it because other people may not be about it. This is Pearl Jam to me coming out and going like, this is who we are now. We think it's pretty friggin' cool. And I love thematically how it fits with the story of the song, which Veda has said he likes to think of as like a, a 20 page children's cardboard book, which is just a wonderful way yeah, of doing each it. Lyric is Look a at thing. each thing. It's yeah. just, and it's the way it's written, it's just like, man, actually, I can see that form working so well. And it's just kind of about a guy, not Jesus. Like, it's <laughs> worth, worth pointing that out because. So many people are just kind of like, it's about Jesus, man. I mean, I can see the similarities, you know, Eddie and Eddie and Jay. If you were someone who had the J-Man on the brain, how you mm. could look at the lyrics of the song and go like, oh, it's, it's definitely Jay. That was a fantastic reference. What? Brain of Jay. There's a song on this same album called Brain of Jay. Oh, I'm wow. just that good. Adam. Yeah. Guys, chills. <laughs> <laughs> the lyrics are all generally pretty nice, but I really mm. like the one like towards like, the end. But first he was stripped and then he was stabbed by faithless men, well, fuckers, and he still stands and he gives his love. He just gives it away. There's something really beautiful about that lyric, I think. Okay, when, that- you say, when you say that, I can see how someone would be like, it's <laughs> yeah, about Jesus. That, that uh, bit's about Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean yeah. that is. He gives his love, he gives it away. He, I, I'm, of course, referring to Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It falls down for me in the beginning where it talks about someone like going up a tree and smoking and then. I mean, Jesus did that. Where? That was, that was the where, I missed that. I mi- <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
the J-Man indeed. <laughs> J-Man on the brain. <laughs> Holy shit. I think it's more valuable to just think of it as a separate character that so solely just belongs to this story. Yeah. You know, coming back and it's just a, a really simple, somewhat abstract tale about, you know, it's, I, again, I think self-actualization and then being able to share yourself with the world again and the benefit that that gives to the world once you've once you've reached that point of quiet contentment i suppose you could see it as like a, an enlightenment story or or whatever and i i think like a kind of new testament <laughs> if you will <laughs> kind of rolling away the stone on previous <laughs> I, I reckon this is probably the best Pearl Jam song I've spoken about in a while. I vibe with yeah. this very, very much. Yeah, right. I, I really liked it. It was just That's like great. Had yeah. like, had the cool groove going on. Like had like the the constant, not like dream poppy or shoegazy, but the constant guitar riff. It was like never a break in it. Just the yeah. constant moving on that. I really like that. We were saying before, like he, you can tell he's the kind of singer who likes to lean on the mic and do all these like, kind yeah. of swaggery moves that he does. And We're he saying like every Pearl Jam song can be either Eddie plays guitar or Eddie doesn't play guitar. Like, this depending no- on, yeah, how much he needs to like move around and <laughs> yeah. get into the groove and shit. And he yeah. has the groove with this song. That's what I like oh, yeah, about. Oh, yeah, fucking A yeah. does. Yeah. No, oh, it's, it's awesome. It's, oh, God, it's spectacular. Like, I have, in previous uh, episodes, uh, laid my chips out on the table and uh, stated that Yield is my favourite Pearl Jam record. And I think uh, this is one of the main reasons why, like, there's that real sense of revitalization within the band and just a sense of purpose again. Like, they know that they should be dead by now. Like, if not literally, then at mm. least musically, societally, trend-wise. You know, they know that they are fucking yesterday's lunch in a lot of ways, and they are just like, we're not going to go down without a fight. We're not going to be a fad band. We're not going to be remembered as just like, haha, remember these guys from the early 90s? It's like, no, we're a band. We're going to stay being a fucking rock band. And look, we're talking about Pearl Jam 20 years later, and we still talk about Pearl Jam in the present tense. They still tour every year, they still put out albums pretty regularly they have a new record on the way which will be their first in about five years which is still pretty good all things considered like they are such a fucking workhorse band and for me that all starts with the road to redemption that came with this record they went back out and yeah they made it happen and yeah there's just such a strong spirit and such a great energy to a song like this you can imagine this as like a a key point of the live performances around this time there's just something really really special about this era of the band and uh i think it's crucially crucially overlooked i see it as a huge turning point for the band personally the album's called yield yes it's it's not forceful it's mm-hmm. like stop trying just do it just do be. it just let it happen i had one final kind of image to leave with the song uh to do with the composing of it mike mccready said that he wrote the guitar for this song when he was stuck inside on a really really snowy day yeah i heard that as well interesting perfect perfect seeing tiny perfectly symmetrical snowflakes drifting down and being blown around by the wind it's like that's it man yield you got this Honestly, I feel like that even ties back to no surprises in terms of like, it's it's almost like, you know. Whoa. Yeah. Except one's one's way more optimistic compared to. You can have two attitudes about one thing. Chills. That brings us to the end 
of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and officially brings us halfway for season six. Yeah. Take it away, Bon Jovi! we get out of here and we bid farewell to the 50 songs we've loved and hated and generally felt indifferent about in season six that have connected together in weird and mysterious ways can we can we seriously at the end of uh, like in the last episode can we do like a kevin bacon and like try and link every Mm. song to one another thematically or musically or like they did a tour with them or something like that that would be like a fucking (laughs) mind-blowing like bullshit i like it what do you think, listener? You want to hear that? Add us, son. Add us, baby. Before we get out of here, we're going to pick our favourites and least favourites and continue the ever-continuing story of Carryover Champs and Carryover Chumps. Hey, Nathan. Yo. There's been a Friends of Rom song in this Yeah, I know, episode. but No Surprises is really yeah, good, right? right? Like, okay, you're, you're also... It's tricky, It's man. real tricky. I didn't hate it, but I'm going to give Everclear least favourite. But yeah. Metallica will easily stay my chump, and that feels good to say. <laughs> I always forget you with chump yeah, as Metallica. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it's great. It's it's really good. Good. You are so it. proud of yourself. He loves it. Yeah. Um, why not? You know, you only we only cover the 1998 Hottest 101 season, probably. True. <laughs> probably. Who um, knows? I'm gonna I'm gonna make no surprises. My new champ. Oh Ooh, wow! Nice. Huge. Yeah, it is a bit. Yeah, I'm um. It's it's the I could just say ditto Nathan because same for me no surprises is my new champ even though it does pay me dearly to uh, say goodbye to Mr Charisma and indeed not give it to Montana Locks uh, my mm. least favorite is also a father of mine but I did have time for it and the chump is unequivocally Brandman three thousand drinking in L A yeah Andrew Nathan I would also mm. like to do uh... the things that you did so replacing uh, no shelter with no surprises. surprises huh. Chills. No shelter. <laughs> chills. 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 Uh, Where does it end? It doesn't end. Yeah, father of mine also. But, you know, as I said, it's just not for me. But it's I see the value in it. And drinking in LA is not for anyone. <laughs> it's for Ever. bad people. David. Yeah, no, nothing is topping uh, Brand the Man just yet. But, uh, you know, we do have 50 more songs to go. So... Can we sell the van? So we can sell hashtag sell is. the van. Yeah. Sell the is. van. My favorite from this episode. Yeah, fuck it. Father of mine. I'm nice. gonna go with Father of Mine for my favorite, but uh, my carryover champ remains the Mavis. And least favorite, uh just by default, I'm gonna give it to the Grouch, just because it's just too fucking weird that it's that high up and like <laughs> least favorite intellectually yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Green Day, really? really come on guys do better it's 2018 hates well, traditional it songs. wasn't when you wrote it but like you should have been thinking ahead really they were that's <laughs> what the song's about it's literally what that song's about Adam David chills <laughs> <laughs> The next time you hear from us, we are going to be charging forth into the second half. 50 to 1. Let's get it done. On behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher. We will not be doing all 50 songs in one episode. Just saying hi. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Nathan Harrison. Bye. Mr. Andrew McDonald. Good night. Andrew T. McDonald. Andrew T. McDonald. MC Donald. My name is David James Young, and everything is good for Snuffle Up, I guess.
the very first time we met. Oh, yes, Bird. I remember it well. Welcome to Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Third rule of Fight Club.